Last week we, we uh, talked about the four accounts of the tribulation. Why do we believe that there are four accounts? It's because you'll find four endings of the tribulation period in the book of Revelation. We said that those four endings were in Revelation 6, 12 through 17, Revelation 11, Revelation 14, and chapter 19. There are four different accounts of the end of the tribulation period. So, we believe that it's giving four different descriptions of that same seven-year period. And uh, then we said that we would go through Revelation chapter 6 just... Just given the sense, this is not an in-depth study, but just giving the sense of this chapter. And that's because what you'll find is you'll find a complete account of the tribulation period from start to finish in the sixth chapter of John's revelation of Jesus Christ. So you have everything. Uh, and of course it's not all the details, but you'll, you'll find a complete account here from start to finish. Uh, and what you're looking at in Revelation 6, this is the beginning now of Daniel's 70th week. Okay, prophesied back in the book of Daniel. And this is the time of Jacob's trouble. This is not the time of the church's trouble. And this is the time of God's wrath. And what you're looking at in chapter 6 is earth's scene. So the scene on earth and... Uh, so we'll take a look at that starting in verse number 1 and pick up there. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals. Now the Lamb, capital L. Remember we identified that as Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and in chapter 5 there was an unknown, unopened book, which is really a scroll, that's opened with seven seals. And so in chapter 6 you have these these seven seals. And you have the Lamb there opening one of the seals. And I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, those are the four beasts around the throne, come and see. Alright, so John saw in verse 2. And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow and a crown, was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Now, all of the seminaries in America, practically, all the major seminaries, have identified this white horse rider as Jesus Christ. And that's what you get with a seminary education. People in seminaries have been messing with God's Word and changing God's Word for years. And someone said, when you mess with God's Word, He messes with your mind. That white horse rider is not Jesus Christ. That's the Antichrist. Okay, I'm going to show you that. So the Antichrist is riding on a white horse. And he had a bow. Notice that? What's that? He had a bow, right? But there's no arrow. Do you notice that? Just a bow, no arrow. And a crown was given unto him, a single crown. And he went forth conquering and to conquer. But notice that there's a bow which represents a war. It represents military arms. Of course, this is back in a time when they used bow and arrows. So it symbolizes basically military threat. But there's no arrow. There's no projectile. And so, what we've 
believed about this for many years is that this may represent some kind of a threat of war or a cold war. Any of you familiar with the cold war and may have lived through some of that? So it's not an actual action, but just the threat of it, the possibility of it. And he had a crown and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Now, I say it's not Jesus Christ because there are some differences and you can't ignore these differences. If you compare that with Revelation 19, okay, here's Revelation 19, and let's pick up at verse 11. Come to Revelation 19 and verse 11. And you can read down through there, and you'll find another white horse rider. So you have Revelation Revelation 6 and Revelation 19. Two white horse riders. But there are differences. So when you study the Bible, we've talked so much about context. Context is king. That means study what comes before it, study what comes after, whatever you're looking at and you want to understand. But you also study by comparison. We've talked a lot about that. Scripture is Scripture, right? The Bible interprets itself. The Holy Spirit is the interpreter. And uh, interpretations belong to God, we learn. And so we study comparisons. But you also study Contrasts, things that are different. And that will teach you a lot in the Bible. So in Revelation 19, notice in verse 11 and 12, And I saw heaven opened, behold, a white horse. He that sat upon him was called faithful and true. Right? That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. So he's coming to, to make war as well. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many, you see it, many crowns, plural. So you have many crowns, plural. This one over here, it said he had a crown, just a crown. Now that's not the same. A crown, okay? And let's keep reading there. Notice in verse 15, Out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword. So this one has a sword. The other one didn't. He has a sharp sword. And then notice also in verse 14, And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses. Now, that's me and you, if you can believe that. Clothed in fine linen, white and clean. So, Revelation 19, he has an army. Of course, the bride doesn't fight. Jesus does. We ride behind him. But here, there's no sword. Okay? No sword and no army. If you look back in Revelation chapter 6, notice what is riding behind the white horse rider in Revelation 6. Not an army. And uh, the army doesn't fight. Only the Lord does. He destroys by the power of His Word. That sharp sword coming out of His mouth is His Word. And He goes forth conquering just with the power of His Word.
So back in Revelation chapter 6, notice, riding behind him, what do you find? Look down in verse 4. You have a horse that's red. You have another horse. You have a pale horse in verse 8. And death and hell in verse 8, riding behind the one in chapter 6. The two are not the same. Behind one is riding the armies, a beautiful army. White, white horses. The perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. A holy army. Riding behind this one in Revelation 6 is death and hell. You know what death is, right? It's death of the body. And you know what hell is, right? That's the death of the soul. That's the spiritual part of man. So riding behind this white horse rider in Revelation 6 is a judgment of death upon the people on earth and those who are not saved that will be followed by the death of their souls, which is the second death, which is the lake of fire. Yes. Okay. Yeah, for the for the uh, so another one with with verse four on the red horse rider. Yeah. So that's a good question. So what you have with the uh, well, I don't want to I don't want to erase that yet. What you have. The tribulation period, right? Three and a half years, we know is peace, right? Three and a half years of peace, we've studied that in Daniel. Then, at the halfway point, something changes, right? The Antichrist breaks his peace compact, his peace agreement with the nations and with Israel. And then he starts to persecute Israel. So, at the second half, it's war, so where, where the, the, uh, the first one is, the white horse rider, you have, let's just do WH, white horse over the first half, then beginning at the second half, you have the red horse, and then what's the next one? What is it? Black horse, and then what do you have, the pale one? Pale Okay, pale horse. You have the, is there another one? I don't think there is. I think that's it. Um, four. So you have those, because they all describe war and death. They're describing the second half of the tribulation period. So, the first white rider is the Antichrist. He's not the same, he's a copycat. The Antichrist counterfeits Jesus Christ all through church history, and at the end, he'll do it in the tribulation period. So that verse 2, to answer your question, Brother Ray, he has a bow, but he doesn't have an arrow. So it's like a show of force, but it's peace. And um, if you, well, we'll get to it, but we'll compare that to 1 John and to, and to 1 Thessalonians and Daniel 11. And Daniel 11, chapter, uh, chapter 11, verse 22, 21, says that the Antichrist will come in peaceably at first. So that first rider, he'll come in peaceably. It's, it's like a cold war, possibly. No killing. Everyone is all right. It, but it's a false. And then when they say, peace, peace, then cometh sudden destruction. Right in the middle. 
where the Antichrist shows his true colors, that he really is Satan incarnate in the flesh. Then you have the red horse, the black horse, the pale horse, and all of that that we'll look at. Does that make sense? Okay, yeah, so it's a great sword because it's a great death. It's a great bloodletting or killing on earth. We'll, we'll look at it in just a moment, but if the population of the earth is 8 billion, like it is now, but the church will be taken out, so whatever the church is will be subtracted from the population of the earth. Then in the tribulation, it says that, I think it's verse 8. Is it verse 8 where it says one-fourth of the earth? Okay, one-fourth part of the earth. So if that's one-fourth of eight billion, that's two billion people dying right there. And so it's a great sword because it's a great killing. So when the sword comes out, that means people are going to die. A person doesn't pull a sword just to you know, play around with it. But, uh, so that's, that's my answer to that one. So that's when, that's when the actual war starts. So you have a cold war in verse 2, and then the actual war in verse 4 is what that's representing. So, um, so back to Jesus Christ not being this white horse rider, what that rider is, is it's a satanic counterfeit. Now think of this for just a moment. In Revelation 19.16, we're not going to turn there, Jesus is called the king of kings, right? Well, Satan says, okay, if Jesus is going to be a king, I want to be a king. So back in Job 41... Satan is called the king over all the children of pride. So Jesus is a king. Satan's a king. John eight twelve. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. All right. Well, the devil counterfeits Jesus. So in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14, we learn that Satan himself can be transformed as an angel of light. So he's like Jesus in that he's a king. He's light. Jesus is the prince, Right. Prince of Peace, well, in John chapter 14, Jesus calls the devil the prince of this world. He's king, he's light, he's prince. Jesus is God. If you don't know that, newsflash, Jesus is God. John chapter 20, verse 28, well, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, Satan is called the God of this world, little g. He's a counterfeit. Uh, Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah, okay? 2 Peter 5.8, the devil walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. John chapter 4, verse 24, Jesus said, he's spirit. Well, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, Satan's a spirit. So he's a counterfeit. And what he does, that's the way he works. He counterfeits everything that God does. And so he'll take something and he'll take a little bit of biblical truth and then he'll twist it. So what you find is you find counterfeit religion, which is, has Christ in it, has a Christ at least. It has a church, it has religious clerics, you know. It has all the things that a true church has, the true church. And then you have the false church, the counterfeit church, which is like the cults and, and so on. Uh, and then even, you know, God sent his son into this world. The incarnate Son of God, Jesus Christ. 100% man, 100% God. Well, the devil says, okay, I'm going to have my incarnate Christ, but he's the Antichrist. And so Antichrist in the tribulation period is literally uh, Satan in the flesh. He's, he's a, a carnate, 
devil. So, <clears throat> all right, so uh, in, in verse 2 then, when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, come and see. Now with the second seal, this is when the war starts. So he comes in peaceably at first, but then he comes in to conquer, and that's pictured by this red horse uh, with, the, with the rider on it. Now, um, <clears throat> this is now no longer just a show of military power, but now the Antichrist is using his military might to destroy. <clears throat> so, if you want to look at... Would somebody look at 1 John 2 and verse 18? Would somebody read 1 John 2, 18? Just the first person to get it. Might be one of those boys back there if they're real quick on sword drills. First John two eighteen. Somebody have it? Yep. Okay. Okay. So John writing that in in what about maybe ninety A.D. He's writing that, and he said, little children, talking to Christians in a, in a loving way, by the way. And he said, we know that Antichrist shall come, right? Shall's future. Okay, so the Antichrist is going to come uh, right here. Uh, he, he shall come. That's future. So that's yet in the future. But then he said, we know that there are also now many antichrists back here, right? So you have, back here you have many, many antichrists. So he said already. That means that for the whole 2,000 years of the church period, for 2,000 years there have been many Antichrist. Now they're not the Antichrist, but they're all like pictures that will be fulfilled later on in the Antichrist. So that means that back here, John said, talking about in the church. He said there's already Antichrist in the churches. Remember, tares among wheat and all that. Uh, so, and, and and all the all of the schisms, all of the false teachings, they all came out. Remember, there's there's wolves in sheep sheep's clothing, and Paul warned they're going to come out from among you. They're going to come out. They're going to they're going to have a little bit of Christian teaching, but then they're going to twist it. So what you had back here is you had uh, people who were teaching that they denied the incarnation. That's what they tell us. Historians tell us that they denied the in incarnation of of Christ, meaning they were called 
Gnostics, but meaning that they believed that Jesus was like an apparition or some kind of a... He wasn't a real man. He, he couldn't have been. He couldn't have taken on flesh. So he was, he was who he said he was, the Son of God and so on, but he was like a, not a physical thing. He was like a vision almost or something like that. That's what they were teaching because they taught that all physical stuff is evil. So therefore, Christ could not have been incarnate. So you had people coming up with ideas here that later on would show up again in cults like Mormonism and Jehovah's Witness and so on. That stuff's very, very old. And then you have all... It's basically an antichrist is a false teaching about Christ. Something less than what the Bible actually teaches that he is. So it's doctrine. Somebody messing with doctrine. Okay? Now, do you have antichrist today in the church age? Let's just say that this is going to mark the beginning of the rapture, or the beginning of the tribulation. So we have the rapture, right? Then the seven years of tribulation period. And then followed by the, uh, the second advent, right? That's what marks the end of the tribulation period. When Jesus comes back, battle of Armageddon. Okay, so the Antichrist, he'll show up here. He shall come. Okay, shall come. So do we have Antichrist today in the church age? Yes, we do. And you know what they deny? Not, not the incarnation. They don't deny that, that Jesus the Christ, the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies, that he had a literal body. They don't deny that anymore. You know what they deny? They, well, yeah, yes. They deny the, the deity. So, back here, the Bible taught that Jesus is 100% God. They denied that. They said no. Up here, the Bible also teaches that Jesus is 100% God. And today you have people who say no. He's not. You say who? Not just the cults. Listen to this. Ligonier Ministry in 2022 did a survey and a thorough survey. Okay, they got professionals involved, professional survey takers. They surveyed U.S. evangelical Christians. You say, who's that? Well, they're a lot like us. Just think of people like us. U.S. evangelical. They believe in getting the gospel out and people getting saved. They believe in heaven and hell, or they're supposed to. They believe the Bible is the word of God. Think of just Billy Graham and all of his, his crowd. That's evangelicals. So they surveyed this sort of Christian... And the poll revealed that 43%, just the average Christian in the pew, 43% no longer believe that Jesus is God. Isn't that incredible? Many Antichrists, John said, shall come. They have sown their bad seeds and they have had a bad harvest. 43%. They, They would say this. Jesus was a good teacher. He just was not God in the flesh. Isn't that incredible? And then we learned about the preachers. We, and, and I haven't verified this yet, but somewhere around 65% of preachers and pulpits in America today are denying the full deity of Jesus Christ. That he was 100% man, 100%
God. You say, where's that come from? It's old stuff from Arius and Pelagius. So the, the Arianism is Jehovah's Witness. Pelagius was a false teacher way back when. So, yes, Antichrist will come. And when this Antichrist shows up, of course he's going to deny Jesus. Jesus as the Christ. And then Jesus is going to show up in the second advent and settle everybody's accounts, right? Look at uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.3. And we'll finish with this. 1 Thessalonians 5.3. We're living in a time of great deception. And it's getting worse and worse. Apostasy, yes. A falling away from the truth. And it's, it's not talking about the world falling away from truth. Okay, guys, I'm not talking about the public school system right now. I'm talking about evangelical churches in America. You say, you preach against everybody. I have to. Because I'm a Bible teacher, and it, it makes me this way. I, believe me, I want to get along with everybody. Yes. After COVID, Brother Clifford says that people didn't come back from church, proving where their heart really was. Yep. Which we don't wish ill on anybody. That's not what we're saying. We're just studying. It's just basically just saying this. The Bible's true. It says what it means. And what it says is going to happen in the end times, you are watching it. You've got a front row seat. It's pretty incredible, really. 1 Thessalonians 5, But of the times and seasons, brethren... Ye have no need that I write unto you, because Paul had taught him so well. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Now the day of the Lord, second advent, is when Christ comes back. The day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as upon a travail Travailing woman. So, right here, this day of the Lord, they're going to say peace and safety for three and a half years. Finally, we have peace on earth, and it's because we got rid of all this religious zealots. You Christians, you're the, you're the terrorists now. You know, you're the, you're the threat against national security. We finally got rid of all that, and we've got like some kind of a world religion that everybody can agree with and get along with. And to do that, all you have to do is just get rid of, of the truth that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, John 14, 6, and Acts 4, 12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Evangelicals deny that one too, big time. So you get rid of that, everybody can get along. So three and a half years of peace and safety, then cometh sudden destruction, red horse rider. And all of that that happens, followed by the Lord Second Advent. So, verse 4, But ye, brethren, are not in darkness. Okay? I just want you to see something. If you underline in your Bible, you should underline where it says, in verse 3, they. You see it there? They. Them. They shall not escape. You see that? Words are so important. But then notice in verse 4, ye. So there's two groups. I can't help but do this. I, you probably get annoyed with me doing this all the time because you think, hey, he's trying to be Mr. Teacher. It just helps. Ye, that's us. They, that's another group. Them. Okay. 
us and them. He said, upon them, they will have sudden destruction. But ye, different group, okay? Ye, brethren, Christian group, not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light, the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Verse 6, therefore let us not sleep. Every doctrine has a practical application. Therefore, let's live like it. Paul said in verse 9, For God hath not appointed us. Okay? Us. God hath not appointed us. Wrath with them. With they and them. God hath not appointed us unto wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, the rapture as taught in chapter 4, just previous to this section. Context is king. Now, you say, what are you trying to say, Pastor? Well, we are not going through any part of this. This time, this time is God's wrath. Yes, and this is called the Jacob's trouble, not the church's trouble. You are not appointed unto wrath. So let's just finish with with just a couple of references. You're not appointed wrath. Back in chapter 6, you don't have to go anywhere else but there for the rest of the study. Revelation chapter 6. I just want to show you this. What we're talking about is going to take place on this earth, but we won't be here. We won't be here. You say, where will we be? We'll be up in heaven, going through the judgment seat of Christ. Okay? We won't be here for the wrath. You say, why? Because we're not appointed unto it. We have a different appointment, and because we're under grace. We, we obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. You're not going through the tribulation period. You say, how do you know that? Because Paul said, we're not appointed unto wrath. Now compare that in chapter 6 with what Paul says in chapter 6, verse 16. Or uh, John says in verse 16 and 17. Okay? And said to the mountains and rocks, this is the Lord coming back, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. You see it? When you study the Bible, compare things that are the same. Comparison. Compare things that are different. Contrast. Always keep it in the context. What is chapter 6? It's an account of the tribulation period from beginning to end. And we are not appointed unto wrath. That's the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of His wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? You see. So, to kind of, kind of wrap it all up and put a bow on it, who shall be able to stand the great day of His wrath? Let me ask you a question. In all your years of studying the Bible, have you ever read where the church age is called the time of God's wrath? Or of the Lamb's wrath? Have you ever read that? Does it, does it even talk about the church age in that way? No. No. When Jesus showed up, did He come in wrath? Now, He did tear up some things in the temple, didn't He? That was kind of a foretaste of what he feels about religious apostasy. But did he, did he go about 
you know, in wrath, taking vengeance on them that know not God? No. No, he hung there on the cross after they nailed him to the cross and said, Father, forgive them, these Roman soldiers, and forgive the Jews who sold me out. Forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. And he died as a helpless lamb upon that cross. He could have gotten down, but he laid down his life. And uh, he wasn't a victim. He laid down his life. But, yes, sir? When he was on the earth, before that, he loved the sinner. Yes, he loved the sinner. Yes. And, and he loved the sinner even that didn't know God. Didn't know Him. So, there you have Jesus in the first advent. Second advent, though, He comes in vengeance, taking vengeance on them that know not God. Right? There's a difference. So, you've got two different things. You, you have God in the church age, showing grace, showing mercy, not wrath. You don't want God's justice. Somebody said, I just want God to give me what I deserve. I just want justice. No, you don't. You want mercy and grace. But He comes in vengeance. Vengeance is mine, right? I will repay, saith the Lord. He comes in vengeance. So, when we go up in the rapture, we're up here, and you have the judgment seat of Christ. And He's judging our works, not our sins. And then we come back with Him at the second advent. And so, what's that again? Yes, Revelation 3, the church is not even mentioned. Right. And so you say, who are, who are the, if you were to read the rest of that, who are the souls underneath the altar? Because it says that people get killed down here, their souls up underneath the altar there, they're tribulation saints, they're martyrs, and, and Old Testament saints. So any, any questions about that? Like, just throw it out there. If you, if you say, I don't know about that, I think we're going halfway through or whatever. Yes. Yeah, if you read it in Revelation 7, they won't. So the, the ones who are left that are under His judgment are the people who rejected it. And you can't say that God didn't give people the opportunity to repent. And, uh, yeah, Jews, they, will, they, they can't be touched. And uh, they're sealed in their foreheads. And then they will lead countless people to faith. You know, saving faith during the tribulation period. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and anybody who's here who's on the wrong end of that sword is on the business end. Anybody who's there, they're there because they want to be. You know, they're there by their own choice. It's free will the whole way. All all the whole way. It's free will. Uh, yes, ma'am. I know, I wonder about that too. I've noticed a whole lot of movies popping up about alien invasions. Oh yeah, talking about that. It's a very, very real possibility. And you have, now we have a space force. Scientists are saying, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's statistically it has to be. You know, you, you know this better than I do. Statistically, there have to be other life forms in the universe because there's so many solar systems and stars. 
Yeah, right. Right. You have all these sightings of UFOs, which some people say is just smokescreen. I don't know. But will it be that? I don't know. I know they'll be glad when we're gone. But it's, it's, hard, to, it's hard to fathom it all, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, and and maybe in, to bring the whole because you watch these movies. Some of them I watch. I have to admit, I kind of like sci-fi. And you, they, they're like, all right, now guys, we are we're under attack by aliens. Everybody needs to come together. So it's all like, okay, there's a one world task force to take care of these aliens. Something like that. I don't know. I don't know, but it's a, it's a possibility. It's a very real possibility. Yeah. And when Jesus, when Jesus comes back, um, you know, we, we think it might be a whole lot of people going up, and it might not be as many as what we think. You know? So we... That one scripture, straight as a gate and narrow as a way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds comparing to those ones that are saved to the ones that are lost. Yeah. Hail in comparison. Yeah, and and you probably heard people say, "Yes, the wrath, the wrath is here." They say the wrath is the second advent. So therefore, time before the wrath, because everybody will admit, "Yes, we're not appointed under wrath, Christians." So some people say you're 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 uh, raptured up mid tribulation, or just pre wrath at any point in time, and we've studied that so much. I. Th- you make up your mind. You know, you don't have to believe everything that I say, but we're not going through any of it. Because it's Daniel's 70th week. Yeah. Yeah, they'll have the mark in the right hand of the forehead, which I believe is literal, literally a mark. Yeah, and I don't know if it'll be a visible mark because all the technology that we see where they plant trackers and things, chips and things. So I don't think it'll be a visible mark, but I, but I think the 144,000, it, it sounds like when you just read it, it sounds like it's a visible mark. So, and the Jews, they like to put visible things, they like to hang phylacteries between their eyes and stuff like that. So, any other thoughts on that? Or, um, study it. You know, if, 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 uh, if you become a Bible student... And just get serious about this, saying, "Oh, I don't know about some of those things," and it makes you study. That's good, right? That's a good outcome. Lord, I thank you for this uh, study tonight. I thank you for the truth of it. God, uh, we've we've studied the goodness and the severity of God tonight, and I pray, Father, that you'd put a real uh, fear of God in the hearts of everyone that comes to this church, Lord, and that all the kids would get saved. Uh, Father, that they wouldn't play games and that they'd be soundly converted and that we would escape the wrath to come. Lord, it, it sounds sounds wild. And I can just imagine if somebody were to come in here and didn't know the Bible or didn't know anything about Christianity and they heard some of these things, they might think that they're, they're, uh, those people are crazy. But Lord... Um, I have a I have a suspicion that people would come in here and and those who had any fear of God in them would just get saved and and uh, get on the right side of this thing. And Lord, we're going to stand for the book 
and we're going to believe every word that's in here, and I pray that you'd give us understanding for it, and um, Lord, one of these days we're going to see these things come to pass, and Father, uh, we think we have it all in the right order, and and I'm pretty sure of it. I wouldn't teach something I'm not sure of. But Father, I pray that you just give us greater light, greater understanding. Most of all, that we just continue to trust you and to serve you. And Lord, uh, and just to, to do what we can to try to be lights and to try to get the truth out there and get the word out to folks. And I pray that many would be saved, that everyone in our families, Lord, everyone would get into the ark of safety, would get into Christ before the judgment comes. It's in His name we pray. Amen.